Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're in the second week of our Exodus series, so just beginning, and um, it's a two-part series, as Trevor has mentioned. Um, we're first starting off with the, the theme that God is the one who delivers, and then later on uh, this summer we'll be talking about the God who dwells with us. And if last week's sermon was kind of like an introduction to the whole thing, uh, today's is really an introduction to that first season, so to speak. It's, it's the first section um, because that's what we have in, in Exodus chapter 1, is what we read. It's sort of like the groundwork for the rest of the story. And the, um, the first 15 chapters or so of Exodus really talk about this, this battle. That's, that's the plot here. There's this battle between two kings, between two powers. You have on, on one side of the ring, you have God, Yahweh, he is the one who has shown to be the one who creates and sustains life. He keeps his promises, and, and he, he, he wants to bless his people. And on the other side of the ring, of course, you have this newcomer. You've got Pharaoh, which that's his title. Uh, I don't think we know his name, but that's his title. He's the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh, in this story, is presented as like the complete opposite of God. He is the antithesis of God. He, um, I don't know if he kept any of his promises, but um, he definitely works against God's blessing. He is anti-life, anti-creation, anti-creative life. Um, he is uh, one who enslaves, and he is one who ends life. So he is really, um, actually to this point of, of the whole story of God, he's actually the worst character yet. He is vile. He is evil. And this is a person God chooses to um, illustrate sin for us. This is the, the, the worst of the worst. He is the worst. And, and, and these two kings are, are battling over one group of people, the Israelites. The Israelites. Whom are they to serve? That's the question. Who will they serve? And us as readers, of course, we're invited into this story, and we're invited into the story as those who need rescuing as well. And the question really then becomes to us, who do we serve? And, and I think the obvious answer is the Lord, but there are times when we often swing to Pharaoh, and we prefer Pharaoh's dominion over us, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk about these kind of three main characters. We have we have Pharaoh, we have the Israelites, and we have God, and us being as part of the community with Israelites. So Pharaoh, what does, what does Pharaoh do, what does Israel do, and what does God do? All right? We'll jump right in. Pharaoh, he's a new king. It says that he is breaking sort of like, he has a radical policy shift or, or like um, idea shift with um, a group of people, the Israelites, who are not native to Egypt. That means they're immigrants. That means they're foreigners, they're strangers. They came actually to bless Egypt 
Um, and, and now there's this new king, probably a change of dynasty, and he is out to get them. And he does a couple of things, this pharaoh. This is what Exodus 1 says. First, he tells a story about them that stokes a fear. He tells a story about these immigrants to stoke fear in, in his people. It says in, in verse 9, he, he says to his people, his um, his nation, they are a problem for us. They are too numerous. They are too strong. And oh, the irony, when, when another king rises and, you know, promises them other things, they're going to go side with them. They're going to dispossess us. They're going to attack us. And so he's telling this story. And, and notice what he's doing here, because in verses 6 and 7, you have this, this uh, statement, Joseph's, um, or, or Jacob's children have died. So that's a sign of the curse, right? But then right after it says, but his descendants multiplied. That's the sign of God's promise and God's blessing. So the multiplication is the very thing that Pharaoh sees as a threat. God's blessing is now a problem for him because he's working against God. And so he, he sees the immigrant uh, community as a problem. He sees God's goodness to them as a problem. And so he's man he manages with his story to label them as, as seditious, as dangerous. Later on, he even calls them lazy, good for nothing. So he creates this story, and you know what? It works. In verse 12, you see the Egyptians began to dread the Israelites. Of course, the modern day for that is propaganda. There's a story being told, and it shapes everyone's minds. So he tells his story, but he does much more than that. He then uses his power to oppress. This is kind of like the dark side of, of this story. He... he he applies two um, policies, maybe you could break them down into three, but there's two fundamental policies here that are used to break the Israelites, to destroy them. It says in verse 11, they are oppressed with forced labor, which we have a term for that. Given the, the people groups here, this is race-based slavery. This is slavery. Um, it's what we've had in the United States, and it's something that exists throughout the world still in many ways, hidden and openly endorsed. So that's the first thing. And then he does another thing later on. He intensifies that. And it's the policy of if it's a boy and it's life. If it's a boy, kill him. This is dark and heavy. It's it's. This is what we would call state-sponsored genocide. I mean, it's, it's like abortion, but it's even more it's in that any boy will have their life ended because they're such a threat to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's kingdom. And I will tell you, this also worked. Probably the saddest verse here for me was, um, in chapter 6, verse 9, when, when God finally reveals his promise, he's coming to the rescue. It says, they would not listen to Moses. They would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. This is Pharaoh. 
And, and when God points a picture of someone who's the complete opposite of him, this is who he paints. And that's historically, of course. But there are also modern-day pharaohs, right? And, and we can talk about this in, in many ways, but I, I, what I want to be clear here is that pharaoh is a picture of what the Bible calls sin. It is a picture of that which oppresses us all. And it affects us. And then it changes our minds into thinking it's not all that bad. That's what sin does. And pastors over the years have called um, these places where, where sin sort of collects itself and, and refuses to budge a spiritual stronghold. Right? And I'm going to call that a modern pharaoh, which operates on, on multiple levels. It operates, and I've mentioned this before, it operates internally. So you, you can think of like pride and, and lust and greed, these internal dispositions that, um, that are really ways of rebelling against God and, and his creation for us. That's um, internal pharaohs. There's also interpersonal pharaohs, which is all the relational stuff, all the fighting, all the discord, all the division. That's interpersonal. But then those develop and morph and... and mature into something we might call institutional pharaohs, which is the, when whole societies come together and create laws and structures that really promote and protect a certain widespread use of a certain sin. Slavery is the clearest example of that, no doubt. We've had that in our nation. But then there's also all these other kinds. There's like hyper-consumerism and materialism that is celebrated for us. That is an economic uh, powerhouse for us, right? There are um, unjust laws or selective enforcement of those laws. There are, of course, wars that have become the mainstay of, of many countries in the Western world. There's abortion. There's all these kinds of structural things that are also institutional pharaohs. And so on every level, Pharaoh managed to get its way. And I'm not really trying here to primarily to make a political point. Actually, I want to say a spiritual point, which is really important for us to understand, is that we are also under Pharaoh. We continue to be under Pharaoh, if not under his, his direct dominion, then under his influence, because sin persists in us. And this is really important to keep in mind because this is the first step. This is what, what kind of the second point, what Israel does. The first thing they do is, is acknowledge and recognize and admit that they are under Pharaoh. There's no hiding it for them, right? And we too first admit that we are under Pharaoh. And, and we actually evade this quite a bit because we might say, we're on God's side of things. I don't, I don't like sexual trafficking. I, I don't like genocide or abortion. Those are things I'm opposed to, right? And then Jesus comes around and he says, absolutely, me too. So the first step we have to do is remove that lust out of you, those kind of fantasy thoughts out of you, the resentment out of you, the hatred out of you, and then suddenly we start getting more uncomfortable and we say, no, I'm opposed to those things. But like my internal life, like that's not hurting anyone. 
you know, everyone is that way. It's not that bad. You see, what we're doing is, is trying to keep something separate and, and realize we're, we're not okay with those pharaohs, but we're a little more okay with these. And, and, and Jesus wants to heal us of all those, of course. In admitting that we're under Pharaoh, the Bible calls this humility. It says, yes, I am broken. And you know what? I contribute to the brokenness of this world. I do that. My family does that. We see it in our families. That's the first step that Israel does. They, they just acknowledge it. But then they also groan. Right? They also pray. This is not like, okay, everyone at 10, uh, 9.31 th this morning, everyone collectively groan. That's not what we're talking about. It's this chronic and collective groan for years and years of being in slavery. Groaning, I think, is a kind of prayer that arises from desperation, that arises from that first point where we realize we are under the dominion of many pharaohs. And we pray, Lord, come, come quickly, come now. We need you to rescue us. But we don't always groan, do we? We don't live our lives like that. Um, and I just want to encourage us, you know, just to at least check in with yourself. If you are not groaning because of the injustices done to you, done to your families, and to our, our nation and our world, there might be a place where you might swing into more alignment, being okay, being under Pharaoh, than under the Lord. Because God's people groan that he would come and rescue us. And you never want to side with Pharaoh. You want to side with the God of the oppressed and the God who comes to the rescue. So we groan and we admit. So what does God do? What does God do? How does God respond? Our, our bishop has this saying, of course, we've mentioned it a few times. We do something, God does everything. Yeah, we, we admit our failures, we, we, we groan and pray, but God does the rest and more. And with the Lord, let me tell you, the Lord, there is always hope. Amen. There is always a promise yet unfulfilled that will be fulfilled. The Lord will liberate he does this. First, he, in the midst of oppression, he sustains. This is the story of, of Exodus 1. In the midst of the, in, in the heaviest hand of Pharaoh, under, uh, under the darkness of genocide and slavery, it says they multiplied. They strengthened. What is that? That doesn't make sense. You're not in an environment conducive for human flourishing, but God makes it happen. The Lord shows up and he sustains in the midst of the worst. And praise the Lord who he uses for this, right? The midwives, the midwives who, whose whole ministry and, and, and whole identity is to bring life. They resist the evil uh, power of Pharaoh. And in their fidelity to the Lord, they protect and bless so many lives. 
because they were faithful, because they had the strength to stand up to someone like Pharaoh. And not just the midwives, but you see in the next chapter, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter herself does something against his will. And you see Zipporah um, kind of fixing Moses' problems. And you see later on, you have Rahab, you have Esther, you have all the way to Mary, who says yes to the Lord, and through her, all the nations are blessed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He uses heroes in the midst of oppression to resist evil. And then God hears our groans. We see this in chapter, in chapter 2. This is something later on, but chapter 1 doesn't talk about it, and I just have to. God listens to our groans as we pray. He listens. And it's really important for us to pray because if, if he listens not to our prayers, but he delivers us, we might think we saved ourselves. So we pray, and God listens. And then later on, he shows up. He reveals who he is and says, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the yoke of all the pharaohs. I will free you from slavery with an outstretched arm and with acts of judgment. I will save you so that you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out. And I will give you the promised land as, as a possession. God shows up. He not only sustains, he shows up and then he comes to the rescue. We see the spoiler alert in Exodus. They're saved. But here's, here's the thing I really want to end with. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He enters into our slavery. He enters into our world, right? He opens this scroll, and what does he read in Isaiah? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, healing for the blind, to set the captives free. This Lord Jesus Christ is our hope, our freedom, the one who delivers us. So city of light, whatever pharaohs you are under, whatever you feel internally around you or above you, the Lord Jesus Christ is still working freedom for us. And I encourage you as we pray to just surrender to the Lord and surrender um, Give your allegiance back to Jesus Christ who saves us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.